If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zen Nicotine Pouches, you can find many. Zen is America's number one nicotine pouch. It's made with only six simple ingredients. Plus, Zen is the only nicotine pouch with a 10-day hassle-free trial. There are lots of options when it comes to nicotine satisfaction, but there's only one Zen. Find your Zen online or in a store near you at zen.com slash find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Big thank you to our partner making today's crime stories possible, Lisa Mattress. Tired of tossing and turning because you sleep hot? Look no further than Lisa's Chill Collection. You can say goodbye to restless nights and wake up refreshed. For a limited time, save up to $460 on a Chill Collection mattress and get two pillows free. Go to lisa.com forward slash nancy for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com forward slash nancy. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Well, it's happened again, according to a rape victim and police investigators. How many times will an athlete get preferential treatment after brutal rape charges? This time we have a University of Utah swimmer actually skipping the country and fleeing to Canada when his alleged rape victim finally finds her voice and makes a complaint. Talk about flight as being indicia of guilt. You know, in a lot of jurisdictions, flight as indicia of guilt is no longer a jury charge. A judge doesn't tell the jury that they can consider flight as evidence of guilt. However, it can still be argued by prosecutors, and I've never seen a case fit for that argument as this case. An elite university swimmer accused of rape decides to what? Go on vacay in Canada? Never seen Niagara Falls? Do you believe that? Because I don't. I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories. Thank you for being with us here at Fox Nation and Sirius XM 111. How did the whole thing start? Take a listen to our friends at Fox 13. A sophomore on the University of Utah swimming and diving team has been charged with rape. A student at the Utah police, she met 19-year-old Ben Smith in her dorm building last August. And later that day, he visited her in her room and started kissing her. 
She said she told him no multiple times, but he kept forcing her into various sex acts. When police interviewed him, Smith first denied knowing the victim, but then acknowledged having sex with her and knowing she was in pain. Oh, dear Lord in heaven. I haven't even gotten into the beginning of the facts, and it's like deja vu, a bad flashback, because that sounds like every rape case ever. Uh, let me just go straight out to Donna Kelly. I've got an all-star panel, including Jared Page with the Gephardt Daily in Salt Lake City. But Donna Kelly, former Utah senior deputy district attorney, attorney for crimes victims, uh, helped form the Utah County Sex Crimes Task Force. Can they at least come up with a different story? Because, first of all, it's, well, that didn't happen. Oh, who? I don't know her. And then you go, oh, well, look, here's video from the bar. And there you are sitting beside each other on a bar stool. Oh, that girl. I still don't know her. I just saw her in the bar. I had nothing to do with her. Well, sir, if you look at the rest of the uh, video, you see you and her leaving the bar together. Oh, yeah. You know what? I did uh, offer as a gentleman to walk her to her car because it was late at night. And, sir, we have your fingerprints on our car. Well, I opened the car door for her on the inside of her car. Well, you know what? I sat in there for a few moments and we talked. Well, you know what? She says you raped her. Well, we may have had consensual sex, but she wanted it. Well, the rape kit nurse says she was raped. And your DNA is there. See how the progression of that story goes, Donna Kelly so here we say, what, who? We see him saying, what? Oh, yeah, her. That was consensual. It's the same old, same old. Can't they come up with something new just once surprise me? Yeah, and um, you're, you're right on, Nancy. I mean, many times you will see, and I've reviewed literally thousands of police reports, many times you will see sort of the progression of the suspect realizing that they are going to be caught in the lie. So the lie starts changing as the interview progresses. Now, this one, I don't know, but it appears to be changing according to the officer's knowledge and uh, use of facts with him. And he begins evolve. The story begins to evolve, hopefully to, you know, get him off the hook. But that is very common. That is not unusual at all as, as we see in these types of cases. And that is where Rachel D. Fisher comes in, registered nurse, sex assault nurse examiner, S-A-N-E, expert witness, private investigator, author of Taking Back the Pen, forensic nursing consulting and education. You can find her at legalrnconsult.org. Rachel, that's when I need a rape kit nurse or a doctor that performed the rape kit. But it's usually you guys, the rape kit nurses, I call them. You're a sane sex assault nurse examiner. How can you, it's basically a pelvic. And for all of you, uh, I just saw Jackie just like, ugh, making it, you face. Yeah, nobody wants to go in for a pelvic. But a rape kit nurse basically performs a pelvic exam times a hundred. So how can you look at a woman's private parts and 
help shine light on whether she's been raped or had consensual sex? Yeah, so it starts with the basics. When when that patient comes in after being victimized and they come to us and tell her story, they have to sign a consent form for us to basically interrogate them, go to those deep moments of trauma, spread their legs, poke, prod, and penetrate them again. So we're collecting evidence in this rape kit, and it's a very vigorous, intense process, but they have to sign consent for us to do that. So the the issue here is he sexually assaulted her, he raped her without consent, and she had to go through that process of penetration by a stranger again because of what he did. And so that process that they go to coming to the hospital is a vulnerable one and it's very invasive. Yeah, who's going to sign up for that voluntarily? But what would you expect to see? I know you do a vaginal exam, you do uh, a rape combing of the pubic hair to find out if the defendant's hair is there or for any fibers or basically any evidence you can find you do an anal swab who wants to sign up for that nobody an oral swab what would you expect to see in the vaginal or anal exam that would say this woman has been raped this was not consensual so we look for any signs of infection or injury or tears um we photograph them if possible but we swab for dna evidence and that is what goes into the rape kit so if they're unconscious or they don't remember um, we just swab every area, the, the anus, the vagina, the outer lips, the, the mouth, anywhere that could have been touched, we swab and we go inside and we, we put that swab inside those private areas and we look for pain. So we're swabbing, they tell us what hurts um, and it's guided by the history of what they remember happened and we'll take their blood. So we'll stick an IV in them, take their blood, try to look for any drugs or alcohol that was used. Um, and then we put this all in the kit and hopefully we're able to find DNA from who hurt them. Sometimes there's foreign objects inside them. If it was done on the ground or in the woods, depending, we, we look for things from the crime scene as well on the patient's body. So you can look uh, with your exam into the vagina and rectum and you can actually see tearing, bleeding or bruising. Yes, it's not always present, but we're able to see that when we put the speculum inside or if you have to put um, anything into the rectum, you're able to look for the bruising inside their body from what happened to them forcefully. Guys, I'm uh, heading to Jared Page, joining us in the Get Part Daily in Salt Lake. But I want you to hear our friends at CrimeOnline.com. The alleged assault took place in a dorm room at the University of Utah on August 16th, but the victim did not report it right away. The official report was made in February with University Police Detective Francisco Chavez investigating the claims. After talking to the alleged victim, Chavez spoke to Ben Smith. At first, Smith denied knowing the young woman. He later changed his official statement, claiming he did know the woman and the two had consensual sex. Smith conceded that the woman was in pain throughout the encounter. University Police did not arrest Smith at that time. When they returned a few days later with a restraining order, Smith had packed his bags and left. Okay, there's so many things wrong with what I just heard. Not that they're factually incorrect. They're just wrong. His denying that he knew the woman, had ever met her, then, oh yeah, I did meet her. Did you rape her? No, that was consensual. How can you go from, I've never met her, to, oh yeah, we had consensual sex? Uh, guys, it's 
a lot more than I can play in sound bites. I'm going to go straight out to Jared Page joining us at Part Daily in Salt Lake City, who's been on the case from the very, very beginning. First of all, Jared, thank you for being with us. I know a little bit about this guy's background. Jared Page, take a listen to our cut one, CrimeOnline.com. After graduation, Smith announces he will attend the University of Utah in Salt Lake City in the fall to pursue a bachelor's degree in marketing. As a freshman member of the university's diving team, Smith wins the men's competition at the Air Force Diving Invitational. Smith finished up his freshman year for the University of Utah diving team, coming in second in platform diving at the Pac-12 Diving Championship. Wow. So this guy, the alleged rapist, is a superstar, Jared. Yes, by all accounts, he was a rising star, a rising diver on the University of Utah men's swimming and, and diving team and uh, had, a, had a strong freshman season and then came back. Uh, this incident there, the sophomore season started in uh, September where this uh, alleged incident, alleged rape took place in, in August, which is before that. Uh, and again, as, as you noted, it, this, uh, the woman did not come forward immediately, and he continued to compete and competed as recently as February 10th. So again, yeah, this was a, uh, a an athlete who was having a really successful career at the University of Utah. I mean, for Pete's sake, he wins. Right off the bat, he wins the men's competition at the Air Force Diving Invitational. Mm-hmm. Then he finished up freshman year uh coming in second in platform diving at the Pac-12 Diving Championship. Mm-hmm. That's no small thing. I mean, he is elite amongst the elite swimmers in the university system. And when you hear about the way they met, it's almost uh, as if it's out of a rom-com, a romantic comedy. Take a listen to this. After a strong finish at the Pac-12 Diving Championship as a freshman, 19-year-old Ben Smith is ready to take on his sophomore year at the University of Utah. And on August 13th, Ben Smith's sophomore campaign gets off to a promising start, finishing third in a dive meet. Three days later, August 16th, Walking with a group of friends through a common area, he meets a young woman reading a book. After a brief conversation, they exchange contact information and go their separate ways. Later that afternoon, Ben Smith reaches out to the young woman. You know, I'm just thinking this through. I want to go to Scott Johnson joining us, forensic psychologist joining us out of Minnesota, specializing in sex predators, also Professor Florida Gulf Coast University, and you can find him at ForensicConsultation.org. Scott, thank you for being with us. You know, when I heard about how the rape suspect met the alleged victim, it reminded me of, let's see, it's a Meg Ryan, Tom Hanks movie. Oh, wait, it's You've Got Mail. It's You've Got Mail. And she owns a bookstore, and he owns a bookstore. And he always is, like, spying on her in a loving and caring way. And she's always sitting there reading a book. Uh, and so it's my understanding, Scott Johnson, that he's walking with a group of friends. He sees her reading a book. He goes over, and they talk for a while and exchange numbers. That's the meet cute, the setup for a rom-com, as they call it. Now, my question to you, Scott Johnson, is, in a way, 
the way that they met, wouldn't that lower her uh, barriers? I mean, it just seems so normal and friendly and uh, kind of romantic. It's not like he's trying to pick her up at a bar and uh, immediately make out with her. It sounds so innocuous, which I think would lower her inhibitions and lower her protective nature. Oh, absolutely. And his narcissism with this, I think, demonstrates that he's a predator. He, he knows how to groom. He knows how to schmooze. Um, he can take his time to do what he wants to do to get the victim in a vulnerable situation to, as you say, let her guard down, feel trustworthy, right? And so he knows what he's doing, but he's very good at it and very good at putting her at ease. And um, that that's certainly psychopathic traits. You know, Donna Kelly, of so many of the rape victims that I've represented and worked with, they feel like it's somehow their fault. Oh, I shouldn't have been at this bar. I shouldn't have been out so late. I shouldn't have been wearing a, a short dress. I shouldn't have been jogging in tights and a workout bra. All that's complete and total BS. It is not the rape victim's fault, ever. This woman was sitting there minding her own business, reading a book. But somehow, some way, I guarantee you, on some level, she thought, wow, I should have fill in the blank. Right. I've worked with probably about 3,000 victims over my career. And I can tell you that in almost every case, there is some of that going on with all the victims. And my understanding from, from talking to experts about this, this sort of... Uh, feeling this sort of response is that it's the, your way, your brain's way of protecting you for the next time. In other words, you want to feel safe. You want to feel like you're safe in the world. And so what you do is you go back and you analyze and reanalyze what's happened and you think of ways that you can be safe for the next time. And so that kind of response is very common on behalf of sexual assault victims, um, they, they, they need to be safe and feel safe for the future. And that's their attempt to do that. You know, I think if it's I can, really interesting in this case. Rachel, go ahead. Yeah. So just briefly. So she was just talking about kind of the fight, flies or freeze response. And so fight, flight or freeze is what trauma victims typically do. And everybody always asks, well, why didn't she just run? Why didn't she leave? And then the victims blame themselves. Well, if you, you hold to that, what society holds to why didn't she run? You look at him and you say, well, why did he run from this scenario? So use that same predicate. And why did he run away from it? That's a really good argument. What about it, Scott? Well, I was just going to say also, you know, both of these experts are, are right on, on cue here with, with why victims blame themselves. And also the perpetrator was blaming her. He was minimizing throughout and he was saying, I'm just going to do this. I'm just going to do that. And so he's putting her in a precarious spot where he's catching her off guard and therefore she has that delayed reaction. But regardless of how she reacts, things are still going to happen. So he minimizes what he's doing, justifies what he's doing. Oh, it's just a little bit or it's just this. You know what? You're all three so right. Have you ever heard the phrase wolf in sheep's clothing? Well, listen to our friends at Crime Online. 19-year-old sophomore Ben Smith messages the young woman he met in the dorm common area. He asks where she is and where her roommates are. 
Innocently enough, she replies her friends are at an on-campus event and she is alone in her dorm room. Minutes after he finds out she is alone, Ben Smith is at her door. After some small talk, Ben suggests the two play a game of truth or dare. Smith reportedly starts kissing her and asking her about her sexual history. Smith pushes her shoulders to lay her down on the floor. The woman pushes Smith off of her and tells him, quote, she does not want to do that. And more. Even though the young woman tells Ben Smith she does not want to have sex, the teen swimmer reportedly ignores her, takes off his shirt and pants, and grabs the woman by the back of her head. According to an arrest warrant, the young woman tried to push back up, but he held her head down. She pushed Smith again in the chest and told him no, but Smith replied, okay, fine. Then he allegedly climbs on top of her, continuing the assault. Your tax refund belongs to you, not an identity thief. Over $6 billion in tax refunds were flagged by the IRS for possible identity theft in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. LifeLock monitors and alerts you to identity threats you may miss on your own, even if you're careful with your personal information. And if you do become the victim of tax-related identity fraud, LifeLock has U.S.-based restoration specialists ready to help solve your identity theft issues. Plus, all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package, meaning LifeLock will reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Let LifeLock help you protect your financial information so all you have to worry about is what to do with your tax refund. Go to LifeLock.com iHeart and save up to 25% your first year. That's 25% off at LifeLock.com iHeart. Identity theft protection starts here. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. It's Dexcom. Managing diabetes just got a lot easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and or phone without painful finger sticks. You'll always know which way your glucose is headed. An arrow shows you when you're heading up, down, or steady. It can even alert you before you go too low or when you're getting too high. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM available, you can make better diabetes decisions about your food, your medication, your activity in the moment. And all those little decisions can lead to big results. Results you can see like more time in range and lower A1C. With Dexcom G7, you can manage your diabetes with confidence. Get started with the number one doctor and patient recommended CGM brand, 
at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. With me is Jason Jensen out of Salt Lake City, private investigator, owner of Jensen Private Investigations, co-founder of Cold Case Coalition, and you can find him at JensenPrivateInvestigations.com. Jason, thank you for being with us. My pleasure. In this case, we see in increments, increments leading up to a full-blown sex attack, according to this victim. And, you know, it starts off with the meet cute okay then he comes over then he finds out she's alone then there's the truth or dare then there's the kissing and then there's the grabbing by the shoulders i mean it leads up to a full-blown brutal rape very often in court uh, some jurisdictions have required corroboration and i'm they're putting air quotes around that. In other words, bruises, uh, tears, um, broken bones, ripped clothing. And the courts, a lot of courts didn't like that. A lot of prosecutors like me didn't like that. Because as in this case, it was so incremental. You don't have a, a, a broken jaw or a black eye. It's like, you know, you, you slowly turn up the temperature and the lobster doesn't even know it's dying. All right. It's too late. By the time it gets hot, it's boiled. So now in many jurisdictions, there is no longer that requirement of physical corroboration for a rape to corroborate a rape victim story. And think about it. No other. You say you got armed robbed. Does there have to be cor- corroboration? No. Uh, do you, when your car gets stolen, do you have to corroborate your story? No, only in rape cases is was that required. And it got to a point where prosecutors would use anything like, um, I don't know, uh, the, low, the, the, the car mileage, the position of the seats in the car, the uh, him loose in the bottom of the skirt. I mean, you could use anything, a button being torn off, anything for corroboration until most jurisdictions got rid of that requirement. But rape is still rape, whether you're beaten to a pulp or not. Correct, Nancy. I mean, you look at the information that was filed, the the particulars are pretty well outlined from the detective, the progression of his interview and you're right. There is no evidence of an aggravated assault in the commission of this crime. And it shows that he lured her in and eased her as he progressed step by step. You know, another thing, Jared Page, you know, for many, many years, guys were not allowed in female dorms. I guess that's all over. Yeah, that is that is true. And, uh, you know, and again, as you mentioned, whether it's whether it's a, a, a dorm room is 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 your residence. It's a place where you live. And, you know, it's, it's, it was a situation where, um, that relationship really went quickly and found out that she was going to be alone in her dorm room and and took advantage of that. And, and unfortunately, uh, you know, you would hope that 
your college students when you're going to school that you're, you're safe in your dorm room. I mean, that would, should be a place that you consider home and a place of safety. Guys, I want you to hear more of what we uncovered during the investigation. Jack, let's play our Cut 8, our friends at Crime Online. During his interview with Detective Chavez, Smith gave the officer the names of two of his friends to talk to and find out about his character. Smith assumed his friends would paint a flattering picture, but instead they provided insight into a possible sexual predator. The first friend said that Smith keeps a list of women he has sex with and shares the list with people to show off and to, quote, feed his ego. The other friend told police that Smith brags about the number of women he's had sex with. Okay, well, that didn't help out very much. To Jared Page, uh, joining us in the Gephardt Daily there in Salt Lake City. So to try to show what a great guy he is, uh, the suspect, Benjamin, is it Smythe or Smith? I believe it is just Smith. Because it's spelled with a Y. It is spelled with a Y, yes. Yeah. Benjamin Smith says, hey, I'm a great guy. Here are two of my friends. Ask them. I'm really surprised the investigators even asked them, but they did. They go and ask them for a glowing recommendation, Jerry Page, and they get the exact opposite. Yeah, I found that interesting, too, that his, his character witnesses are the ones that, that kind of outed him as, as being somebody who bragged about his conquests and kept a list and kind of that, um, you know, fraternity-like atmosphere that, you know, that I, I know a lot of the college athletic programs are are not are, are trying to keep out of their locker rooms in, in this day and as for certainly these days and i think the university of utah does a good job of that uh but um yeah it's it, his his own character witnesses uh let people know that this was this guy this is what he does he and he told police he also uh, bragged about uh, being the, the first time for a lot of women, how he enjoyed that. What? Wait a minute. What did you just say? Yeah, in uh, I just noticed in, in the police uh, documents that we obtained during the interview, he had said that he uh, often has been uh, first time for women. And that's one of the things that he likes as part of a conquest is just to try to be there, there first. Okay, I'm just letting that soak in for just one moment. You know what? I really don't know who to go to on this one. I, 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 Donna Kelly. Yes, ma'am. You know, that's uh, that's a first-degree felony a-hole right there. I don't guess you've ever prosecuted one of those, have you? I, I, have, I have had some experience with that, yes. And it <clears throat> really shows how he, very clearly, how he views women as objects for his use and discarding it really shows that he doesn't think of them as real people he thinks very black and white they exist for his pleasure and um that was a stunning um admission on his part uh and also it really interesting that he has very little self-awareness you know he believes that the names that he, he gives the police officers are going to you know have this glowing uh, image of him when that was not at all the case. And so he has very little uh, interest in <laughs> any self-awareness, uh, and uh, which is very typical of a, of a predator. Scott Johnson, forensic psychologist, what is she saying about self-awareness as it relates to this guy, Benjamin Dennis 
Kai Smith. Well, I think, again, it goes back to the psychopathic traits of narcissism and really believing that whatever he does is right, because in his mind, delusionally, it is okay to do what he did. A list, and what does he do? Put V beside the ones that were once a virgin before he got a hold of them? You know what? You kind of, I think it was you, Scott Johnson, but guys, correct me if I'm wrong, that said the way he would say, oh, just a little bit, just a little bit, just a little bit. You know what? That's really airbrushing what what happened. She, victim, pushed Smith off her and said she didn't want to do that, says the warrant. He ignores her, removing his shirt, unclipping her bra, then took off his pants, grabbed her by the back of the head, forced her to give him oral sex. She tried to push back, but he forced her head down, according to the warrant. She pushed Smith's chest and was able to stop. She shook her head, indicating no, and he replied, okay, fine. I'm reading from the warrant. I'm not just making this up. He then, after he said, okay, fine, climbs on top of her, takes off her underwear, saying everything's fine, and ignoring her objections that she did not want to have sex with him. He says, what is this? Is this supposed to make her feel better? Quote, I won't go all the way in. Just a little bit for a minute. I won't go all the way in just a little bit. The warrant states Smith then forced himself on her. In other words, he did go, quote, all the way in. When he was nearing ejaculation, he asked if he could ejaculate in her mouth. She said no. So he ejaculated on her stomach and then, wait for it, wiped the ejaculate with his fingers and put it in her mouth. After denying he knew her, he admitted he did know her, they did have sex, and that he knew she was in pain throughout. Now, can I tell you the first time I had to let loose of a string of that kind of talk? With every curse word I have ever known to a jury, I actually had to practice it. I could hardly say it all. But you know what? If you want to put somebody in jail, you got to have, let me just say, the backbone to say it out loud. Now, just to top it all off, he goes and says, hey, listen to my good friends. They'll tell you what a great guy I am. And they really unload the truth on this guy. But I want you to hear what happens then. Our Cut 10, our friends at Crime Online. The alleged assault took place on August 16th, but was not reported until February. On February 16th, the University of Utah was made aware of the allegations. When detectives went to his room to serve a restraining order, Smith's roommate informed the detectives that Smith had moved out. Moved out? Okay, now take a listen to our cut seven. Our friends at Fox 13. Police say two friends of Smith told them he keeps a list of people he's had sex with to brag about. Police say soon after being interviewed, Smith moved out of his dorm and returned to Canada. There is now a warrant out for his arrest. Utah Athletics says they learned of the allegation on February 16th. Big question to Jared Page, Gephardt Daily. Why did they interview him? They knew the victim's complaint at the time, and then they let him go? Well, yeah, I am not so sure the timing. The police reports don't aren't great with the dates of when she, the report came in, when he was interviewed, how many, many days took took place but yeah i guess i guess when they did interview him he was not detained at that time because he was allowed to go back to his dormitory and 
and clear out and head home to Canada. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. It's Dexcom. Managing diabetes just got a lot easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and or phone without painful finger sticks. You'll always know which way your glucose is headed. An arrow shows you when you're heading up, down, or steady. It can even alert you before you go too low or when you're getting too high. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM available, you can make better diabetes decisions about your food, your medication, your activity in the moment. And all those little decisions can lead to big results. Results you can see like more time in range and lower A1C. With Dexcom G7, you can manage your diabetes with confidence. Get started with the number one doctor and patient recommended CGM brand at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom for being our partner. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids, but I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is KidSafe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer. Maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Irv Brandt joining me, Senior Inspector, U.S. Marshal Service, International Investigations, Chief Inspector, DOJ, International Affairs, that's Department of Justice, has worked in embassies all around the world, author of a brand new book, 
I believe his eighth solo shot, Curse of the Blue Stone on Amazon Earth. They hear the victim's complaints. And yes, she didn't come forward immediately. Not unusual. She did come forward. She told them what happened. They go interview him. They catch him in a lie. And they let him go. When they go back to issue the arrest warrant, he, quote, moved out. In other words, fled to Canada. Help me out, Irv. Why didn't they arrest him immediately? Nancy, on the face of it, you would it would seem there was probable cause for the arrest just from the interview and from the victim statement. But the investigators chose to take his statement and continue the investigation. And he fled to Canada, which is not going to help him. Uh, the U.S. and Canadian uh, authorities have a great working relationship, whether it's the Royal Canadian Mounted Police or the Vancouver Police. And there's an extradition treaty, a strong extradition treaty in place where we can extradite Canadian citizens. So he's not going to escape justice by any means. I can't wait to tell a jury about him fleeing to Canada. Guys, take a listen to our Cut 9 Crime Online. As soon as Ben Smith found out he was the subject of a sexual assault investigation, he packed his bags and headed for Canada. A charging document mentions Smith's time on the university's diving team. Quote, Smith left school and returned to Canada. Smith was a member of the University of Utah's diving team and, according to the University of Utah records, was on scholarship, it says. Smith's flight from the jurisdiction only after learning of an investigation into his actions while enrolled in college classes as a student-athlete on scholarship demonstrates the strong likelihood that he will not submit to the court's jurisdiction and, if released on bail, will flee again, the document states. The charging documents request that Smith be held on no bail if he is detained. So what is the easiest way for someone to get into Canada to flee the jurisdiction? And how many more times will athletes, college athletes, get a slap on the wrist for a full-on rape? Does the name Brock Turner ring a bell take a listen to our friend matt gutman abc in our cut 14. the public outcry still soaring tonight over a six-month sentence slapped on former stanford university freshman brock turner for sexually assaulting a 22 year old woman while she lay unconscious next to a dumpster outside this frat house last year the judge is basically saying you know it doesn't matter what your past actions were just don't do it again i don't think six months was nearly enough yeah i would agree with that take a listen to our friends at nbc Cut 15. With a hard push of the jailhouse door, Rock, former Stanford swimmer Brock Turner was met by a crush of cameras. You think you got fair treatment? He spent only 90 days in jail for sexual assault. Are you going to apologize, Brock? NBC News was given exclusive access to evidence in Turner's case file. Pictures show him with a torn shirt hours after he was tackled by students who saw him on top of an unconscious female behind a dumpster on Stanford's campus. Interrogation tapes taken after his arrest showed a calm Turner responding to questions from a detective saying, my intentions were not to try and rape a girl without her consent. I was just trying to hook up with a girl. When pressing Turner about the victim, the detective asks, if you saw her again, would you recognize her? Turner responds, uh, probably not. And then, of course, in our cut 22 uh, from CBS, how many college 
football stars have escaped rape charges. Take a listen. The Ohio State University football players, Amir Reap and Jocelyn Wint, were booked into this Columbus jail late last night after turning themselves in. The criminal complaint alleges that on February 4th, a 19-year-old woman was having consensual sex with Reap when she stopped, stating she did not want to continue. Detectives say Wint then entered the room, and Reap, after asking if Wint could join, pushed her down by the neck, and the two men allegedly raped her. Afterward, the report says Reap told the victim to say the incident was consensual on video, as he was laughing and she was crying. Of course. Many football supporters claim the players should not be in jail and that they were wrongly accused. So, Jared Page joining us, Irv Brandt, Rachel Fisher, Jason Jensen, Scott Johnson, Donna Kelly. I want to hear your thoughts of what should happen now. But Jason Jensen joining us, Utah private investigator. What do you make of the way the investigation had, has unfolded to this juncture? Well, Nancy, it really does look like there was a, test, a textbook approach by the detective from the university police department. Uh, and I'm not surprised. I mean, after what happened to uh, star athlete Lauren McCluskey in 2018, it cost the university $13.5 million dollars after she was murdered by her ex-boyfriend in spite of repeated claims of worry and complaints about her ex-boyfriend's behavior to the administration and to the police department. Nothing was done. Guys, this, this student athlete, Benjamin Smith, wanted on rape, forcible sodomy, forcible sex abuse, goes on the lam. What do you think? To everyone on the panel, and to you specifically, uh, Scott Johnson, why is it so difficult for university administrators to accept that athletes commit rape, just like all other rapists? I mean, I, I think part of that is the idea that, you know, people lie, and somehow we still blame victims, and we still hold victims accountable for so much of what happens, despite the perpetrator premeditatingly engaging in violent behavior. And the second piece, of course, is the liability aspect. If we have someone on our campus that's committing violent acts, um, if we didn't act quick enough, um, obviously we're liable. But if we act too quick and it turns out not to be true, um, then whose rights did we violate? When, in fact, they should be saying, bottom line is we protect the campus first and let the investigation fall where it falls. To Jared Page joining us, Gephardt Daily in Salt Lake City, do we have any idea where he's been hiding out in Canada? Well, he's he is from uh, British Columbia, and so I know that's where... That's where he listed in the charges, and and is and is believed to be fled from. And and uh, University of Utah police working with the private investigator. That's where they located him. Found that he was in Canada. The details about exactly where he was hiding and has been hiding, but it was confirmed that he did cross the border. And again, he's he is home there. Jared Page joining us, Gephardt Daily. We're learning as we go to air that he has been returned to the U.S. or he is returning to the U.S.? What, the US, what do you know? And that's correct. So according to the Salt Lake County District Attorney's Office, uh, he was, was arrested 
the location and circumstances of that are are unconfirmed to me. Media reports have reported that he was arrested in uh, Seattle. Uh, the circumstances of which, whether he was caught when he was coming back across the border or or exactly what took place, I, I do not have that. We have reached out for more information, but we do know that he is in police custody now, so he is no longer, uh, you know, hidden from police. We wait as justice unfolds. Goodbye, friend. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome.